Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Curious Competitor podcast. I am your host today. I am your host and your guest today. I've invited myself on my own podcast. I am current New Jersey Devils defenseman, Connor Carrick. My uh, producer and I, Colin Steinger, will be hanging out, talking Q&A. We took some questions on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Telegraph, wherever else you could send us a question. We try to take them. Uh, so for wherever these questions come from in the world, and I used to say that kind of as a joke because I heard uh, the podcasters that I really liked would say, you know, thank you and welcome to the show from wherever in the world you're joining us. I had a DM from Italy the other day. A young man was expecting their first child in February and also had a four-year-old French bulldog. And so they were a Toronto Maple Leaf fan hailing from Italy. And I thought that was cool as hell that uh, he doesn't miss an episode, listens to each and every uh, podcast he can get his hands on. Uh, So I thought that was sweet. Kind of a kind of a what the hell are we doing uh, moment on this show that we have listeners from other parts of the world from across the pond, places I've never been. Uh, if my wife's listening to this, Lexi, I promise we'll take you to Italy because I know, you know, with COVID, we had some some plans disrupted, disrailed, or derailed. So it's another conversation for another day. But Colin, let's do this. Let's do it, buddy. How are you? Good, man. Uh, skating, we get tested a bunch over at the rink. Skating training. <laughs> You know, doing um a little bit more external loading in terms of training to touch on that, which I've actually really enjoyed. I think that a lot of times I'll, uh, you know, stick with some of the more movement pattern stuff, more body weight stuff, which has served me well in the past, but I am enjoying just because the summer was so long too. Some of the external load and working with, you know, Devin McConnell and Joe Lawrence over at, um, you know, our strength staff, we have a great strength staff with the New Jersey Devils. These guys are really on top of it and, and open-minded, uh, but confident in their program at the same time. They're communicating with, you know, the players and how we feel and what our goals are. And I think we're all just trying to be flexible on whatever the season looks like. There's a typical ramp up that, you know, I think we're waiting to take on in terms of battle work and, I'm sure there'll be some bag skating on tap here soon. Um, Family-wise, I think uh, we placed our order for a stroller today. <laughs> so you know, it's getting real. That'll it's banana lands. Trying to cram for the test and become as mature and smart and wise as I can. Who am I fooling? But as 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 I can anyway. Before we face the challenge of of being parents, Hoagie's hanging out. You know, Hoagie, like he's sleeping and doing his thing and and he likes it so we found a farmer's market on saturdays that we like and that's it man try to be as simple as we can to find peace and happiness and so far so good awesome so how have you been enjoying this whole podcasting experience so far because i remember us being so nervous that we felt sick to our stomach before releasing the first episode. Mentally soft. You got to gotta kill an, an attack and go towards the softness. I, uh, proud of ourselves for sure. We've come a long way. And I do think that I had reason at the time to be unsure. But at the same time, I'm glad that, you know, I try to take a leadership position really with this podcast. I try to lead people in their own self-growth. It can be a little meditative and maybe even borderline preachy at times, but I, I try to walk the walk, right? And I try to engage with the work myself that way. And I try to hold myself accountable. And I'm glad I just got on my own way and started to do something that I knew we would like. I knew uh, would attract the type of uh, audience and attention and friends and family that I wanted to. It's built, uh, it's strengthened the relationships all around my life. Um, shocked, honestly, when I look back at what I was necessarily so afraid of, and I think it was just judgment within hockey, which I guess could still happen. But I also think my work speaks for itself that, you know, I mean, well, and I'm, I'm trying to put a good thing in the world out into the world so people can feel better about doing good things for themselves. Cause that's not always easy. Episode 29, man, here we are. I know it's flying. Yeah, we're just heating up. And I think 
I've always learned on the fly. I was never a fan of the direction manual. It always chucked to the side anytime I was building something with hockey. You know, that was how I learned. I would just watch on YouTube players I loved. I would I would consider role models as extremely role model driven. And I think in podcasting, it's the same thing. I, you know, listen to my favorite podcasts. I try to study up on these guys, steal, you know, I feel like Eminem with my like, word book and try and keep new words and new pivot words and that kind of thing. I also enjoy one of my favorite things to do. And I would do this a lot in hockey. Cause I think we live in a highlight world and in an Instagram world where you can, what were the highlights last night? Well, if there's only five goals in a hockey game, you know, what, what's the highlight clip a minute, a minute and a half, maybe, you know, I know and I go on NHL.com, they're like five minute clips normally. Right. But you got to go check out all the mundane plays, all the simple plays, all the mistakes to recognize and, and really be able to assess your hockey play, you know, within a game. So one of the things I would do uh, actually with, with Brian Keene for Prodigy Hockey, who I'll have on the podcast here uh, in season three, um, I've worked with, you know, Adam Oates and we've talked about it is just watch the great players, see how many times they keep it simple, watch how many times they make a mistake. So I love it when I listen to a podcast and I hear Tim Ferriss, it's a lot less than myself, but he says, uh, okay, boom, permission to screw it up at a later date. Not that I want to, but just to maintain a, a positive relation with the reflective self-talk instead of just carving yourself to shreds all the time. So considering how far we have come in this podcast so far in a short life, like what is next for you? And like what right now are you just dreaming about? Like what's next? I think getting testy with the range. Uh, I want to continue to have different guests. We we're just talking about the, before the podcast about chess and I'm watching the Queens gambit on, on Netflix. We we're talking about how cool of a sport chess is and any real mental duel, you know, whether that's Brazilian jiu-jitsu or chess, like I, I view those things as, as similar beasts. And, you know, imagine we had, you know, a world ranking chess player or a tennis player. Uh, would love to dip into golf, similar to Ian Happ. I think a lot of uh, mental resiliency and, and training sort of nuggets would come out of that. What, you know, how mental is that game? How much time can you spend out of flow state in between shots, you know, berating yourself over, you know, course management mistake or whatever. So I think uh, having some more range with that. And then I've had some close friends, guys that you know, Kyle Palmieri, who I want to have on the podcast. We're out in Jersey together. Travis Zajac, I'm going to bug him real soon. Uh, John Hayden, I've, you know, been begging to get on. I think that, you know, that's something that uh, some of the hockey guys can be tough, but I'd like to spend more time with them because I do. I'm also more curious about hockey than I've been in a long time. We haven't played in a long time. My relationship with the game is, I think, really healthy right now. There's been times where watching the game might feel like homework or worse you know, punishment where I, I wasn't happy and, and, you know, that's kind of your insecurity is showing kind of thing. Uh, so I'm really excited to dive in on a couple of those different topics. And you know, it is, uh, I, I Instagrammed a excerpt from the mama mentality the other day where, you know, Kobe Bryant talks about how, you know, curiosity fueled him and how he would ask questions of any great, he could, you know, peel layers off of. And uh, it's like curiosity killed the cat, but it built the mamba. And I, you know, relate to that, I think now more than I ever have. It's, it really has been, you know, how sometimes you have this, this picture in your mind of, you know, I hope I'm able to have this level of self, uh, self growth. And I'm hope I'm hoping I'm able to have this experience. To me, the podcast has been all of that and more really. So what does curiosity mean to you then? Like, what is your relationship with it? I think it's right now I'm doing a better job thinking ahead in my life and trying to think, what do I want to have and what do I want to attract into my life and reverse engineering, thinking backwards on how to get there. And curiously, there's, there's, a lot of different ways to achieve the results that you're so after. Uh, but, you know, for example, with the podcast, we're starting to go through, you know, fielding sponsorship inquiries, you know, we're, we're starting to gain in size. And I think that's going to be a whole different beast. Alignment's going to mean a ton to us. And we're going to be 
you know, it's going to be sponsored and proud on this podcast only. There'll be nothing, uh, no empty advertisements on our end. You know, I think that hockey wise, there's been enough time to take on a couple different projects. It's as simple as I just changed the fit on my skate. You know, I was having an issue on a, on a particular part of my stride as I, as I would stride out, I was having a hard time with this, you know, toe flick I was trying to include to get that extra little bit of, of push, you know, at the end of your uh, range. And I was just noticing that my, the skates I was wearing for whatever reason, I don't know if they, I just wore them too long because I'd, I'd had them on since January. You know, I hadn't had a, a new pair yet so just because of COVID and things like that. When normally mine would probably have like eight week lifespans. Uh, that's short. Yeah. Which is, I'm a heavy sweater. And I think that, I don't know if it's the way that I tie my skates. I tie them often. I tie them every period. Um, but like my relationship with curiosity, I just switched the how I was tying my skates and a couple different notes on the fit. And already I feel just balance point. You know, I've been playing my whole life. I've been playing the NHL. This will be my eighth year next year. Not all in the NHL, but that's besides the point. Um, but you're always discovering things and you just never know which rock you look under is going to have the greatest ROI. So you just keep checking it out. What is one of the biggest things you've learned about yourself in the last, say, six months? Um, since the podcast has launched, since quarantine, the delayed season, and even news about becoming a father. What's, what's something that you've learned about yourself in that process? I've learned that I'm innovative, that I will, that I'm independent, that I will do my best to be my best and, and do my best, frankly. I know that, you know, the uncertainty of COVID kind of helped me get out of my own way and, and okay, the podcast is a dream. It's a way to diversify yourself, both, both uh, you know, in terms of your stimulus, what you think about in a day, what, what drives me. Uh, it helps things, you know, not get stale, uh, as we track sponsors, you know, maybe even a secondary stream of income, which would be cool. You know, I think, you know, if we haven't, uh, you know, with hockey, things can be volatile and, and more volatile than we ever dreamed as we saw with, with COVID. So just being able to take care of my own world and my family, I think I've been able to do that. I think the love for education I just, it's so cemented that lifelong learning is something that I really want to hold myself accountable to. And I have found that to be such a great source of joy in a time where, you know, things could be pretty grim based on what focus I might have that day. You know, the world, uh, it's a unique place and time, but I'm grateful for what I'll be able to come out of it. And, and then finally, I'd say, usually I am 20 minutes of meditative work, call that training, call that skating, call that prepping for, you know, like flow state, working on a, on a pod, podcast, 20 minute walk with the dog, uh, 20 minutes of sitting uh, still, 20 minutes of a good meal and get my blood sugar, you know, back to normal levels of, of having, you know, some meat and some, uh, some veggie, no matter how tough the day is, you know, I'm usually 20 minutes away from turning it around as long as I'm intentionally able to reach into that toolbox of well-being and grab something that's tangible. Is this something you developed over a quarantine or is that something that you've been kind of working on kind of over more of a longer term that allowed you to exercise that during the, the, the unknowns of, of quarantine? I think it's something that you just have to keep relearning. There is no, you know, the human condition, the human mind really can be different day to day and month to month and week to week and year to year. Didn't exactly go in order there, but besides the point. And uh, I think it's one of those things that you just keep relearning. And every time you feel like you know it, maybe go through a dip or maybe engage and, and experience some self-sabotage. And then all of a sudden you think back and go, you know, why, why am I playing against myself? What am I missing here? 
Like I know the blueprint for my growth and well-being. Why did I why did I leave my process? And we talked about this in an earlier podcast. I think it was with Ian Hap about uh, what was it the Seattle Mariners hitting coach talking about with his players, what is failure? And mm-hmm. for me, I really stole that. Uh, gladly that, you know, failure for me is leaving my process. And I know in my right mind, uh, in, in when like the higher Connor Carrick is thinking, I know what that blueprint looks like. It's just maintaining the habits that build us. Uh, you build your habits so that eventually your habits can build you kind of thing. I just think it's something that you consistently come back to. Yeah, that reminds me a lot of a, a lot of Stoic teachings. Like, for example, they say when you lose control, your environment determines your results. Is that something that you kind of mean, where you have these these processes, these these habits, these things that you can turn to in times of um, in times of struggle or or fear? And these are just habits that you developed over um, a long time. Yeah, I think you try to build habits so that in a way you're able to automate that part of your life, right? You want to, where it's not some extra effort all of a sudden to give an extra effort, say, for example, around the rink. Um, and, and really your personal pride and, and commitment to who you want to be is something that you're consistently refining and strengthening, and the reason why I think it takes so much effort is because we know a lot of times with self-reflection or when we you know, can look around our loved ones or, or our, even our idols, a lot of times our strengths are like closely cuddled up to our weaknesses. Like it's the same, it's the same sword, right? Like the, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword that way. A lot of times, and I've been this way, where uh, I can be obsessive. I can be single-minded. Closely related to that, I can be distant where I can be in a room and we can be on a conversation, but while you're talking, I am really thinking about the fit on my skates I was just thinking about earlier. I'm thinking about, oh, I didn't send the you know skate rep the right text before this. Meanwhile, I asked you how your day was and you're telling me, mm. right? So it's, it's similar where you know there's this, there's this spectrum that we live on. There's these versions of ourselves that if you can maintain a better relationship with yourself, a better relationship with your values, you have an opportunity to be super solid, you know, in between the ears, in between the armpits, between, you know, heart and soul kind of thing where you are able to control the controllable amidst the uncontrollable, which I think is what that stoic, you know, saying is kind of getting at where if you don't have a backbone, like you don't stand a chance when it gets windy, you're going to, you're going to go whichever way the wind blows. And I think it's, it's not something you arrive at, right? Like what's the, uh, you know, before enlightened wood and enlightened wood enlightenment. It's like carry wood, carry water, chop wood after, after enlightenment. enlightenment, carry water and chop wood. So it's super similar. I was wondering if you'd want to discuss your evolution between Connor, the hockey player and Connor, the person. And I know this is something that you've touched on before. And I, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to stump you with some questions here. You said that you were challenged to grow in the face of adversity with your career. But then at the same time, you said you were challenged to grow. Um, when you brought the emotional roller coaster of said career into the home life. What things, like, how is it now? What things do you do that intentionally balance those parts of your life? Boundaries is a big one. So like post-practice, even as we're skating and training here in Jersey, there's a little like recovery room we have upstairs and I'll go upstairs after the day and just hang out for 10, 15 minutes. Maybe it's a meditation I'll check my phone to see if there's any emails or anything. I want to kind of get home, uh, get finished before I get home. And what it allows me to do is to, you know, kind of bookmark things like, okay, my work at the rink is done. I'm changing energy. I'm catching my breath. And, you know, I'm going to be a different person in 20 minutes when I get home. That's a big one. 
I think uh, vice versa, similar to going to the rank, we haven't played in a long time. So trying to mentally simulate and start to ramp up as if we were going to start a season soon. Because we may. I don't totally know, you know what the NHL is going to do. But just to go through the mental st- stimulus of, okay, I'm going to get up and get after it today. I'm going to purposely arrive with energy and have some of that stubborn will. You know, Tony Robbins talks a lot about it a lot when he talks about high-end, high-end entrepreneurs or professional athletes at, at the highest level that he's been around is this certainty muscle. So it's been something that I've really been trying to, you know, camp out on myself is, you know, how, how sure handed can I walk into the rink? How sure of my, my game and myself, you know, whatever the aura ring score says, well, however I felt, however I slept, you know, if I had, you know, 16 pounds of organ beef, uh, the night before, or if I had, you know, a bottle of wine, like I'm going to do my best to show up. And, uh, so th- those have been two things being in, in what I would consider, you know, and to steal this from Mike Babcock, like an everydayer, rain, snow, sleet or shine, show up at the rink and, and be stubborn about the level of performance, the standard that you have for yourself. And then boundaries. Can I turn it off? You know, can I, I take the extra time if I want to tinker with skates or sticks or, uh, you know, set up phone calls for equipment needs or, you know, watch more video if I want do it at the rink. So when you get home, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a buffer to reset and, you know, be present, uh, you know, when I'm able to get back. We touched on alter egos. Is that something that you kind of have the idea of alter, uh, altered egos when you come home? That's exactly it. And I'm trying to develop more sensory uh, touch points to that, right? Like trying to think of okay, what, what does the best version of Connor Carrick look like at the rink? What, what would describe his play? What is that? What is his posture? How does he uh, walk through the rink and, and getting super clear on that so that it really is automated. It's just integrated. It's, it's downloaded into the nervous system. And then very similarly, when I get home right now, I, so I've kind of been coming back to, and this is where we talk about the, this, the, the, infinite nature of this self-growth process. What was our first YouTube video? What did it say? What was the name? Consistency. Okay. So what I found was people that are highly successful don't necessarily do a lot of things. They just do what they do very, very well. And they're consistent with it. And of course they're getting better. And of course they're trying new things. Uh, but it's as simple as in my morning journal, I've been writing three things. One, compete. Go out there, compete with yourself, compete with others, try to be the best uh, day in, day out. Number two is be present. This kind of comes back to the boundaries. Can I, can I be at work or the rank and, and enjoy the rank? And can I be at home and enjoy being home instead of vice versa, where I'm at work and I want to be home and I'm at home and I want to be at work? And the third one is process you know, small digestible goals, you know, we're joking about it before the podcast today, you know, I'm behind a little bit on some administration things, some phone calls I owe people to, and, and it's some, some calls that I owe people and, and things like that. And, and some podcast things and just trying to allow my goals. I think Matthew McConaughey just went on Joe Rogan and was talking about this. He's like, sometimes I feel like my goals are stacked on top of my shoulders and it's very heavy. Mm. He goes versus other times are just all sitting out in front of me and I can just go after them one by one. I related to that. I thought that was really well put. Do you remember what he said? What helps him get that stack off of his shoulders? Training. Movement. Oddly enough. Yeah. Movement, training, working out, which for me, I'm not, I feel that, but also training for me isn't something that is a break in my work day. It is my work day. <laughs> so on the other side, I'm sure Matthew McConaughey is in great shape. I'm sure he, you know, trains very hard relative to his goals. Uh, but my relationship, the judgment that comes along with when you're expected to be great at something, the, uh, the obsession, you know, like I'm, I'm showing up at the rink, I think I would imagine with a little bit different level of intensity than your average person 
going to train. But the flip side of that is on off days, a lot of times, there's no question. If I don't wake up and move, even in some regard, uh, even if it's a walk with the dog, there's a bit of staleness that all of a sudden I got to like get up and like hit, you know, hit my chest or something like I got to get moving. I kind of get like sick of sitting in a chair all of a sudden at whatever time it is. Let's say I, I wake up on an off day at eight, you know, have coffee and breakfast till nine, start doing podcast work till nine till noon or whatever. At noon, I'm getting itchy. You know, like I, I got to get up and, and go do something. So I think uh, I definitely relate to that. I definitely relate to that. Movement is medicine, man. I want to give you a big question. Go for it. What is your definition of success? And it doesn't need to be necessarily, you know, winning a Stanley Cup. It doesn't need to be, you know, making a certain amount of money. What is success to you? Is it certain traits as a person? Yeah, I think for one, I would say... Success for me is being clear on the values with which I want to play this game, the game of life, the game of my career, and being proud of the way in which I do those things. You know, so for one, I would say I really enjoy learning and continuing to be a lifelong learner, be a career long learner, showing up every day, excited to learn, feel, do something that, you know, maybe I've never done before. And then of course, there's always the challenge as a pro to integrate and be able to do it every day, right? That's kind of the, again, the cyclical growth of cyclical nature of growth. Number two, I would say is showing up for that process every day. I know the things that, you know, I want to do as a person and player. And sometimes it's not always super easy to recall at the real, at the right time. Like for example, even today before this podcast, I got home at like two o'clock and I knew I had to get lunch uh, made for myself. And, you know, I knew I wanted to kind of touch base with Lexi, my, and, and, and the dog before we started. Be honest with you, I was scrolling mindlessly on my phone, like almost the whole time. To the point where I was disappointed and it was like, you know, it was 325. We were scheduled to start at 330. And I'm like, I've done nothing for the last hour and a half other than eat with my head buried. I didn't intentionally enjoy my meal. You know, I didn't uh, be present, you know, and clearly because I wasn't present, I wasn't process oriented. And so I think so much of it comes back to that. I think I know my definition of success, which is sticking to my process because I know what failure is because failure is leaving that process. And once you identify what that is, you've got a roadmap to live holistically, live uh, in, in a way that you can be the own judge uh, and, and really source of fulfillment. If you could do one thing every day that would bring you joy or something that allows you to be your best self, like kind of back to what you just said, can you give us an example? What would one thing be? One for sure is I do want to meditate more. I think that, and whatever that means, like meditation is just being present in that moment that is right now and appreciating that. And I have yet to enjoy this exercise and, and feel worse than when I went in. It works 100% of the time, very similar to movement, but movement is I've been training since I was, you know, eight, nine years old. It was just something daily I did for hours and hours and hours. And I would like to get to a relationship with, you know, my mental practice that is similar to that of my physical. And it's just not right now. It's something I negotiate with. It's, you know, we could watch another episode of the Queen's Gambit or we can meditate. Sometimes I meditate, sometimes I don't. It's not a practice yet. It's, it's more of a, a hobby that I, you know, flirt with from time to time. I would say that, oh, this one's great. Take myself less seriously. Enjoying elements of play. Elisa Haggerty uh, talks about a lot on her Instagram and we're going to get her on the podcast, I think for season three, we're going to nail a date, but she talks about like 
oftentimes seriousness is a sign of suffering. And in my life, for sure, it means I'm, it often means I'm trying to portray myself as somebody or I'm trying to shield against judgment or I'm trying to come off as something or I'm trying to prove that, you know, maybe I uh, made a mistake and I, I, I know it and I, I need to take the moment super seriously. And it's like, and, and a big sign, I have a physical tell of this is laughter for sure. Am I laughing in a day? And dancing is a big one. I think, you know, it's hard to be serious when you're dancing. It's hard to be uh, tight when you're dancing. It's very, you know, it welcomes that flowiness. It welcomes lightheartedness into my life. And so those are two things for sure. I want to meditate more. And frankly, I want to take myself less seriously because what I think it actually allows for is the emotional lightness to go after it, right? So for example, when we start this podcast, if I start this podcast with the seriousness of this must be perfect, I have to have the perfect conversation, which by the way, what does that look like? I need no to achieve idea. success. Well, is it Joe Rogan, you know, a hundred million dollar contract? Is that success for the podcast? Is helping a million people? Well, what is success for the podcast? And versus if you go into it with the lightheartedness of, hey, I enjoy this medium. I think we'll get to talk to some super cool people. You know, I enjoy working with, with Colin. I, I have the gear. We, we got all the hard parts, some of the tech stuff and, you know, uh, some of the scheduling, like we've, we've worked past that. So if you're able to go into it, that lightheartedness and that, you know, what the heck, like, why not? Why not me? Uh, it allows you to enjoy it all a little bit, a lot more, actually, not just a little bit. I think laughter is a big one for me, for sure. If Huge. I'm not laughing. And and I, I find like, so, I mean, as you know, I'm uh, a big golfer. I also love tennis. But like, if I can't laugh after smacking one into the woods, after playing so well, then, then, then why am I taking myself so seriously? Why do I care? Why am I holding on so tight for a result? Or is it about the process? Is it about being outside, enjoying the sun, enjoying the company of my friends, right? You get so result-oriented. Well, and what's crazy is you think of, think of the degree of error that you need in golf for that ball to end up in the woods. It's so tight. Like you were right there. You were half a degree off. You were one degree off. Your hands were ahead of your hips. Your hips were uh, you know, ahead of your hands. It's so tight. And I think anytime you particularly for golf, for example, for me, or even for podcasting, where are you, where's your relationship with the time? Have you really put the time in? Do you practice like a pro? Do I have 10,000 hours in front of the mic? Like, you know, Tim Ferriss or whomever, right? Uh, do I have, you know, the swings that a Tiger Woods or, you know, and so on and so forth, the Rory McIlroy might have. And so, you're, you're, you're smacking the, the process in the face. You're, you're being so disrespectful to what it actually takes to achieve what you're, what you're so after, you know, you're expecting a, a miracle, a gift. You want it easy. And it's not because I've been that way too. I've been that way, like particularly not so much with golf. I've always known I haven't put the work in in golf, but like, I love this one where sometimes uh, we skate all season long, skate all season long. You practice every day. All of a sudden you go on all-star break. You come back after four days off. How do you think you feel that first skate? Pretty bad. Not great. And it's like, okay, am I upset with myself? Like, of course, going back to that stubborn will, I still want to be good. I still am going to do my best. But you also have to chalk it up and go, you know, to be fair, though, I also know what brings me at my best every day, and I didn't do it the last four days. So now here's what's going to happen. I'm going to do it tomorrow, and then I'll have two days under my belt, do my best today and tomorrow, and you know, I'm well on my way to, to getting back after it. What is one thing you spend like a laughable amount of money on? My health. Like it's Banana Lands. Like I love seeing, I think someone just tweeted out or Instagram the Russell Wilson dollar amount on, on what he spends on... Mm a season of training and all that. And, and LeBron James, very similar. I would, I don't want to say that 
I would love to, to be in a financial situation similar to theirs and actually see what my Don't investment all. might be. Ain't that the truth? Uh, I would say that. Let me think of another one. Another thing that I love is like olive oil. Like I am obsessed with like high-end olive oil. And if I were to do most of the shopping in our home, I would spend a ridiculous amount. Luckily, Lexi does most of like the ordering and, and on Thrive Market and things like that. But that's one of the things that I just love when you go out to like a nice restaurant or something, you can tell the difference. I think that's spectacular. Let me see what else. Supplements for sure. I mean, olive oil ain't cheap. It ain't cheap. And I, for whatever reason, I'm upset. Like we have this uh, Brightland uh, brand that Lexi gave me as a gift the one time. It's got like this chili uh, flavor to it. I don't know how they do it, but it's unbelievably, it, it's so good, so rich, but like secretly like spicy or hot. Like there's a heat, but it's not spicy. I don't know. I'm, I'm not exactly a olive oil sommelier, so I'm struggling to, to pick it up, but I also know it's a, it's a, you know, stiff price point on that stuff, but that's one of the things I really enjoy the finer things of. Ashley Jukish asked on Twitter, what motivated you to be a mental health advocate? I think recognizing how effective uh, some of the strategies that I was beginning to use in my life were towards improving my own mental health. Like I, and I had some identities, right? I identified as a poor sleeper. I was someone that I, I, for, since I was a young uh, boy, I always struggled to sleep. And really now that I have learned some supplementation techniques, some, some wind down techniques, you, making sure it's a habit, you know, to have a pre-bed routine similar to how I would have a morning routine. I'm a great sleeper normally now. Like I, I get to sleep easy. I stay asleep. Um, and I would say that mental health is also something where when it's more extreme and, and we're talking more about depression and uh, suicide, I'd like to think that you know, we're some moments of empathy away from helping someone off of that tough place, that tough mark that they're sitting on. And I wanted to be a beacon, someone that they could reach out to, someone that they could uh, think of as someone who's been able to either help themselves feel better or to help others get better. And I mean, Lexi and I have shared it a little bit on Instagram, but my own interaction with anxiety. I've had an anxiety disorder since I was a young kid. I've had a neurological tick since I was a young kid. And Lexi's had, you know, issues with depression and where she's had thoughts of would she be better off, you know, here today or, or not. And I'm grateful every day that my wife's still here. And, you know, we're about to have a child that if she weren't, we wouldn't be having. And I think similarly, she has experienced what a great therapist can do, what, uh, you know, getting outside can do, what eating uh, healthily for yourself can do for your mood, what um, meditation can do for your mental state. And so I think together, it was just a very natural fit for us to want to align ourselves with the mental health initiatives that we'd you know, that we so plan on being effective with. And just normalizing the conversation. As totally. Well. Totally. I was just having a, a conversation with a close friend today, uh, you know, by audio text. Cause I actually kind of like that tool, but you know, he was mentioning and he has a, a high profile job. He's extremely well-educated and maybe we'll have him on the podcast sometime. He's a, a close friend of mine, but he made mention like he, you know, was, was really struggling to communicate what he was going through because he was someone that was supposed to be highly respected in the community, in the community. He was someone that's supposed to have, you know, to be frank, their shit together. And, you know, there was not only the fact that he didn't have his shit together and that he was struggling, but then the compounded guilt that he was supposed to be 
perfect and fine and, and enjoying his life. Um, and it, it caused him to really struggle to come out. So I, I guess I've always been an open book. I've always had a strong relationship with vulnerability, really everywhere outside the rink, just because the rink is so competitive and things like that. But if you're ever to find me in a classroom, if we shared a high school class and things like that, I was always into the power of, of empathy and the power of, you know, uh, proximity breeds closeness and distance breeds, you know, fear or resentment kind of thing. And so I, I would say that in my own mental health, I didn't really feel burdened by the stigma except for in hockey. Cause that's where I was really afraid of judgment. And so if I can be in the hockey world and introduce the conversation around mental health, and for me, it means different things. Sometimes I'm looking after my mental health. Sometimes I'm trying to train my mental strength or resiliency. Like this is, to me, both a performance mechanism and a way to uh, stay in tune and foster the wellness and the well-being that we so desire. Like we just, we just did a podcast that, you know, we'll be releasing shortly with uh, Giovanni Marcico. And he uses the words peaceful and grounded. You can hear it in his voice. You can see it on his face. That's, those are things that I want. I can't say I've always been grounded. I can't say I've always had a great sense of inner peace. And he has it. Why can't I? And so when it comes to mental health, I think that it's something that I wanted to believe in neuroplasticity. I wanted to believe in the power of community. And I'm rambling now, but clearly I have a thousand reasons. I have two questions that are kind of similar. One, uh, Danboy16 asks, who's the most underrated player on the Devils currently? What player have you learned from most on the Devils? So who's the most underrated and who have you learned from the most? The most I'd have to say Travis Zajac or Kyle Palmieri. I think two guys that are very studious about their game, curious competitors for sure, guys that come to the rink every day with a genuine belief. They have a responsibility to be their best while also training for, you know, to be better tomorrow. Travis in particular, I think just given, you know, our, our ability to work together, we, we work together pretty much after uh, every practice that we've ever had. Uh, he's been especially warm to me in that way. Um, and then I would say, Right now, most underrated, that's hard, you know, because I'm with these guys every day. So I am able to, there's usually not a player that's underrated when you're with them every day. You really do have an appreciation because that's what I think causes a player to be underrated when they're not being viewed a lot, when they don't play in big markets, when they don't get the attention, right? So, you know, uh, Barkov, Alexander Barkov for Florida. He's underrated. He's a big time player, you know, with a team that, uh, you know, hasn't been able to get to the playoffs every year to, to show off, you know, how, how competent of a number one center he is. But, you know, every night as a player going to play against Florida, like he, he's, a, he's a great talent and, a, you know, a great two-way guy you're going to have to have to play against. What I will say is there was a time when I played, the, played against the Devils and I got to say, Kyle Palmieri, again, is a player that always thought he was uh, hard to play against. He was crafty in the way that he would score. And as a demon, of course, I'm worried about the guys that you're know, going to dash me up and, and give me a minus kind of thing. And, and he was always one of the devil's leading scorers, if not the leading scorer. Uh, but being around him every day, I think it's impressive how good his wall play is. I think it's aggressive. It's impressive the quality athlete he is, how, how durable, how he just goes shift in, shift out, the energy level he plays with every night, his ability to check, you know, he'll joke because I'll, we'll talk about hockey and chop it up. And he had started his career in Anaheim where, you know, he started, even though he was a, I think he was a first round pick and a, and a high level prospect. Like when he broke into the league, he came into some very good Anaheim Ducks teams uh, that were very big and he had to check and he had to be an energy guy and he had to hit and he had to block shots and he had to get, you know, uh, pucks out and play a safer game. And I think some of those skills uh, haven't left them. And I think it's cool when you see a player that can score at will uh, the way he does at the, at the NHL level. And he does it 
Finally, I guess he does it a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, he scores on the power play. He's got a great one timer. Uh, he's able to score, you know, around the net because he is strong and, and creative and determined to score. He's got a, a high hunger to score. Um, and then I'd say he does have some craftiness off the rush. You'll see him beat goalies clean a lot with a wrister from distance, or he'll do that, you know, on the right side. It's actually the same side that like Patrick Kane does that, you know, backhand. It looks like he's like looking across the crease and he goes short side high. Uh, Palms is able to do that on his forehand. Uh, and scores like that a lot. And I think when you're around that, that craftiness, what's impressive is just how often he's able to do it. Like how often he's able to score, right? It's just a numbers thing. You know, it's like we're in practice and that where we're all taking shots, but his puck just goes in the net more. And it's, you know, it's, it's just impressive. Sarah Kerbs on Instagram asks, what's your weirdest food obsession? We're going to get into some fun ones here. I've been crushing these uh, spirulina and chlorella bits. These energy bits are called. I've been pretty obsessed with them just in terms of like the nutritional bang for buck that they provide. Like there's just there's these little pills and it's like whether I'm having a, you know, sometimes I, I didn't prep vegetables, you know, like I'm, I'm making a simpler rice and meat meal or whatever, you know, pre-bed. Um, and it, it kind of tops off my you know, vitamin and mineral content, food obsessions. You don't like the powder though? Olive oil, olive. I don't like the powder. Too bitter. No? Can't, can't do it, man. Too earthy. Too earthy. I tried. I was doing the chlorella like drink and it's just, I was starting to have a, like an anxiety complex. And I was like looking at the, you know, it's nine o'clock. I'm like, oh, it's about time for my chlorella drink. Smells like fish, but it's green Yeah, it's garbage. What other food obsessions? Olive oil. Olive oil for sure. I've been salting my food super heavily. I've been sweating a lot, you know, just with the volume of training. But are you like particular, like what type of salt on like what? Like are you like- The more coarse, the better. But is it like a Maldon Maldon salt on like steak or like a rock salt on veggies? Like are you that particular? I think it's this Maldon sea salt flake I've been using. It's a pretty good sized flake, but I've been using it across the board. I'll go with that food obsession. We're going to go eat out, uh, eat out tonight at, uh, we got a spot. We're going to eat downtown here in Hoboken outside. And, uh, I'm pretty fired up about that because we haven't eaten out much lately. So I'm, I'm pretty juiced about, I think I'm going to get a big ribeye and call it a night. So Adam on Instagram asked, what's the best book you've read during quarantine? But I want to open that up and say, like, what's, what is the one book that you would have to gift because it was so damn good? The Alchemist. I love The Alchemist. I think that it's, it's fiction. It's the power of story. Uh, but you see yourself in it. And I think that it was a book that was recommended to me right before I went on my honeymoon, kind of a, of a, a beginning of the beginning, you know, beginning of the rest of my life sort of moment. And anything that helps you get off the ride of life and, and see all the ups and all the downs and, you know, past, present, future, things that kind of help you with that context and perspective, The Alchemist is one of those books. Food, What the Heck Should I Eat by Dr. Mark Hyman. It sounds simple, but if you can get your physical health in order, you've got a much better chance at getting your mental and spiritual health uh, and, and, and fitness in check. It's a great place to start. And it was really the catalyst for my health routine and, and really starting to take, you know, really starting to respect what I put in my body and also the effect on the environment that my food had. Really trying to eat uh, animals that were, you know, humanely and sustainably, you know, raised that kind of thing, pasture raised and organic. I know it's expensive, but I, you know, I write that check with pride. I, I really am proud to, to give my peop my, my dollars to the people that are providing a service that is so needed. Absolutely. Um, those are two Ryan holiday egos, the enemy or obstacles, the way those are two classics. They're, they're similar ish. I wonder what his opinion would be of that critique, but um, 
They both help you reshape your sense of self and your relation to what you want to do in the world and what you consider hard or not. Um, we'll go with those. Grace asked, I think this has to do with your last question. Grace asked, in terms of diet and training, what would your advice be for a student athlete? I think for a student athlete, the greatest challenge I remember, like particularly in high school, was the demand on my time. So what are ways that I can maximize my time and, and chunk things so I'm not drifting along, either in my training or in my studies? You know, I don't want to be, everyone's done it where they've sat down and, and studied, I use quotation marks, studied for a test uh, when all they really did, you know, for, for two or three hours, when really they would spend 20 minutes studying and, and two hours and 40 minutes distracted on the phone, you know, checking Instagram, whatever. So as a student athlete, when I think back, organizing time for sure is a, is a huge way to be able to uh, stay responsive instead of reactive in your life. We're able to respond to, you, to what you know is coming. Um, water, tons of water. I know it's easy, but when you're walking around school all day and you're, and you're not thinking about it or you're sweating heavily at practice, it's easy to forget hydration. I think that's a huge one. Uh, and then what I would say is do your research. What I know for sure is I follow, everyone's available now. A lot of the top world experts in every category you can imagine, whether it's nutrition, uh, a lot of them have podcasts, a lot of them have uh, books available, a lot of them have Instagram pages, just giving whatever, whatever appetite you have for information, there's a, a medium out there providing the length of like the, the, the demand of attention that you're looking to give. Um, same thing with training. Like I follow tons of different sports scientists and, and athletic trainers and osteopaths on my Instagram where I'm always trying to learn the lymphatic system. What is that? How does that play a role? How can I improve that? You know, okay, infrared sauna. Why is this good? Well, well, okay, well, how much is too much? What's the appropriate dose? What's really my goal here? What, what do I do afterwards? Because I just sweat a ton to make sure that, you know, I'm able to replenish for the next day. Uh, and then of course, it's always going to come down to sports specificity. So where can you gain access to the brightest coaches in the game, uh, for hockey in particular, Daryl Belfry just released a book. Uh, I, you know, I'm very excited. He was going to send me a copy. I can't wait to read it. You know, there's podcasts available. Adam Ols just did one with 31 thoughts. Sometimes these guys disagree, but I think what's beautiful is when you see the different approaches and you internalize you know, whatever methodology that you might relate best to, I think that whatever answers are that you seek that are out there, they're there. Uh, if you can take the time to look after them and, and it's easy as it's as simple as, you know, even asking that question on this podcast, you know, I don't know if the asker is, is a hockey player in particular, but I can answer the moment you can ask a more specific an uh, question, I can give you a more specific answer. Um, you know, and there are ways to narrow it down. So I think that uh, there's just so much good information out there now. I think this question has a lot of similarities to our conversation today um, about dreaming and curiosity, but Kim Bologna, hopefully I said that right again, um, asked about what your dream job after hockey would be. I personally hope it's a podcast, but um, she's wondering what it would be. Podcast for sure. I can't imagine it was something that I wouldn't have time for literally and like figuratively. It's something that I've really enjoyed doing. And I believe that we'll be able to, you know, make this a sustainable use of our time in short order. Um, I don't know. I've always been intrigued by the medical field. I think that you know, the ability to heal someone is, is honestly godlike in any regard, no matter what type of, of doctor that you are. I just think it's such a, talk about a beautiful gift that you'd be able to go out there and learn and be able to give to all of your patients. Um, and there's different realms of that. I would definitely consider management or coaching. I think the whole, I love hockey. It's been my life's work. The question is at that point, do I want it to be my life's only work or are there other things I want to do? But I love the idea of creating culture. I've been around a couple of organizations that have seen the power of when it's done uh, properly and consistently, 
it, it really can be such a powerful thing. I think that your ability to connect with such competitive people and, and be all alongside each other and, and one goal to be so driven, to be so championship oriented, I think is beautiful about sport. And I think it's something I would sorely miss, uh, you know, if I were to you know leave the game. Coaching side of it is a little bit more day-to-day, I think, I would guess anyway, intensive and a little bit more, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of in the weeds a little bit. You're, you're on the battlefield daily instead of projecting out and, and trying to think long-term like a, like a manager would. I think both would present unique challenges. Um, I think what else? I also love the business world. I don't know if I have a product idea or a service that I would want to provide someday, it would have to be value driven and I would, I would really have to love providing it or, or building it every day. Uh, but I'm just so impressed with it, across the world, the different business stories that I've listened to, the ingenuity, the determination, the love for craft, the concept that it's an infinite game and not some, you know, finite game where you're just trying to exit or, uh, you know, achieve a certain dollar amount and leave. A lot of the best business leaders I listen to really have a holistic richness that I appreciate. Similar to, you know, we, we've had, who are some of the business leaders we've had on? Like Randy Hetrick, like he is so proud of his TRX mission and, and what he's been able to build and how he's able to transition onto the Navy SEALs. Is that something I could do? Not sure. Sure would like to. I think it'd be cool. Uh, Giovanni Marcico, you know, you can't tell me that he, we talked about the, the peace and the groundedness. He, he's an ambitious entrepreneur. You know, he's out there working uh, long days, extensive hours, but he loves what he does. So it's, it's able, he's able to have a, a strong relationship with, he loves what he does every day. I think I would, I think it's very important to love what you do. And I, this is a Seth Godin quote. And it's less important to always do what you love. Because of course, and I, I can internalize that even now with hockey, for example, you don't necessarily love every second of every day. Like you don't love your bag skates, but I definitely am loving what I do. Even though it involves some parts of the process that aren't always my favorite. All right, we're going to do a little rapid fire section just to try to get off some of these questions. Dan asks, what is the best coffee shop in New Jersey? Rook. Rook Coffee Shop. I'm not sure if it's Rook Coffee Shop or like Rook Espresso Bar. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just know it's Rook. What's your, what's, what's like your top three must-have pregame songs? Asked by Kefri64. Seven Nation Army. Oh, by the White Stripes, that song, just, you're ready for war. Uh, just name the shot lane and I'll throw a body part in it. Not worried about it. Uh, 50 Cent <laughs> Candy Shop. <laughs> I, it's a banger. And Gotta Have It by Kanye West. I think Gotta Have It is top tier too. I'm trying to think of what else I got on my... Uh, on my list there. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll come up with a little playlist and we can put in the show notes or something. Jenna AT asks, what do you do for your coffee needs on road trips? I'll either bring it with me. Three things. I'll either bring, I'll either bring the coffee with me, uh, like ground up with my little AeroPress. That's a fun one. If I room my bag, I will either bring, I have like a ceremonial matcha. Sometimes I'll take a coffee break, gasp, I know. Um, or I got a list on my phone. I got a road list, all the hotspots. Do people like uh, reach out to you for, for the, for the spots? They do. Are you like, they the, do. are you like, the, and, uh, you're I'm, the team I'm proud guy? that I am the resource. Yeah, absolutely. Coffee and food. Honestly, I, I have a list of both. What's the toughest arena that you've had to play in from Jay Morrow? Toughest absolute I've ever had to play in was United center opening night, 2013, 2014 is my first NHL game. And they were doing the banner raising ceremony from the Stanley cup uh, that they had won the year before. That to me was easily the most nerve wracking environment uh, I've been a part of. Why did you want to be a defenseman from Andy Coleman? 
I wanted to be a defenseman because every coach I ever played for allowed me to be an offensive defenseman. And really that's the end of it. Like I had no problem playing defense. I liked, you know, kind of the maturity and the responsibility that you have to have, even at a young age, like you're kind of a more mature, more patient. And even just the archetype, like you can let the type of person for a young player that it takes to play defense is normally kind of a little bit more that they're a little bit more reserved, a little bit more mature which honestly is important for have being a good defenseman as you get older. You just have to understand the odds of risk reward and what's worth and what's not versus like your forwards are just these energy balls, uh, you know, just guys that there's their motor never stops. They can't sit still. Think of like Mitch Marner, you know, bouncing off the walls, energy, happy feet, always going. That's a great forward model. Uh, and a lot of kids at a young age kind of have some of those traits. So as a, young player. I think it was part of the maturity. And then I just had coaches that let me play offense. So that was all I cared about. As long as I got to rush the puck and stuff. Speaking of Mitch, we have a guy named Marnie Landerson, which is, I guess, a play on some Leafs players here. He's wondering, go, yeah. um, this can be the final question as well. What are you looking forward to the most this season or what are you working hardest on for next season? Skating for sure. I think that's always a project. I think the speed of the game and the fluidity of the game is just going to continue to uh, get harder and harder to maintain and keep up with night in, night out. I'm 5'10". There's not a ton of room for error uh, as a smaller demon. Like, you got to be mobile. And then as far as the season goes, whatever's going to happen, you hope it's going to be a one-of-one season and present a unique challenge. And I think the newness of it will demand creativity and the full attention to try and solve that Rubik's cube of, of whatever, you know, is, is thrown our way. Cause who knows, maybe, maybe it's a, a, a bubble ish situation, you know, where you're playing in front of no fans. Okay. That's an adjustment. Maybe you're playing every other night, you know, or every, or every night while you're in this little bubble, who knows? Um, or, you know, maybe it's a modified schedule. Who knows if we, if we drop off 82 games and, and, Maybe the energy level is higher because just the total of games is lower. I have no idea. So I think for me, it's just being, we call it like GPP in training, like a general prep phase where you're just kind of training to be able to handle whatever comes after you at it at you next. Uh, there's sort of a similar mindset where you're training and skating to be able to handle whatever this year looks like. Okay. I have to add one more. Ashley also asked, what's the best thing about being Hoagie's dad? The naps, I think the naps and when you get home. So one of the things that I'll do sometimes, I did it today where I, I kind of had a couple things in my hand. I wanted to do, I wanted to make lunch right away. Uh, my brother had texted me before I had gotten out of the car. So I wanted to get him back. And I saw a hoagie, like he was sitting outside. So he was excited. His ears were going back and he wanted to see me. And I remembered really quickly, like, oh, I have to be gone for another seven hours or however long I have to leave again or wait until tomorrow to get this response. Like, don't miss this. Like enjoy, you know, the, the reward that is, you know, for having been gone so long, you know, which might be uh, the difficult part of the relationship, like enjoy this, don't miss it. And I think with Hoagie, there's just, there's not enough love in my heart for him. It grows, it grows by the hour, it grows by the day. And I think uh, just, there's special moments where I realize it isn't forever. And I'm not trying to get anyone to start tearing up in their car if they're listening to the podcast. But, you know, I think about uh, this moment with my, with my dog won't be forever. And that really helps me enjoy the moment because he's, he's the greatest gift in, in my life other than, you know, Lexi and our child to be. And he's always trying to get in on the podcast. You might hear him moaning. Always. Yeah. I heard him crying tonight. Well, that wraps up our Q and a uh, podcast host, Connor Carrick. Thanks. Uh, guest Connor Carrick for coming on. He did a great job. That's my play by play uh, for the episode. So thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world. Please continue to like subscribe uh, for the podcast. Five stars is better than four in case you're wondering. So please continue to give us your feedback. If you do feel like it's a four star, leave us a comment why and I'll read it and disagree with you. Um, I'm just kidding. But anyway, please continue to share this podcast. Helps us grow. Uh, thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to next week and welcome to season three 
And thank you for joining me on my journey to become a more curious competitor.